Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hey, we're glad you're here today. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about today. I also want to kind of give you a sneak preview announcement, which I hope will bring you back next week to hear all the details. But we are, uh, it's been a long time since our church has taken a missions trip because of everything in the whole world, right? I mean, it was just really impossible to travel internationally, to, you know, those kind of things. But we are very, very excited uh, to partner with MANA Worldwide for a great trip that we're going to be taking in February. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. And we're going to give you dates and details next week. But we are going to Kenya, Africa. And I hope that you will consider being a part of that trip. It is going to be absolutely one of the greatest experiences of your life, I can promise you. I, have, I went to Mombasa, Kenya about 12, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And we're part of, of the ministry there with our church in Philadelphia. And I just, I'm telling you, church, not only is the ministry stuff going to blow your mind, it's really, really amazing to just to be in a village with kids and all the stuff that we do. And we're going to build a little mud house. We're going to do all kinds of different things. But uh, to the beauty of God's creation, we're going to do a, a safari one day. It's going to be a trip that you will know. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I hope that you'll pray about that. February, we'll give you dates and all that kind of stuff next week, but just be thinking about that next week. But I hope it makes you come back for next week, right? So you'll want to hear a little bit more about it. Uh, We're excited to be able to do that. Hey, I want to invite your attention to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're starting a new series this week called Rooted. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, there are things that you start to say that identify you as old, Right? There are things that come out of your mouth like when your wife says, hey, honey, did you take your medicine this morning? Right? Or if you own more than one pillbox. How many of you own more than one pillbox? Raise your hand up with me this morning. I certainly do. I went from the mini one of seven days to the deep one of seven days, and now I have a three-week rotation. I have a two-week one that almost looks like a handbag, and I got another one that's this big, and that's not even my night stuff. That's just my day stuff. All these supplements and all these crazy things, it's unbelievable. Those kind of things identify you as you're getting old. Here's another one that makes you sound old. When you get up in the morning and you're sore from sleeping. You'd figure you'd get up and you'd be like, oh man, I'm good to go, walking on sunshine. And you get up and you hear your knees buckle up a little bit, and you're kind of shaking off the cobwebs, and... Man, what, what happened last night when I was sleeping? I must have had been boxing somebody in the bed or something last night. That's a sign that you're getting old. Um, another sign that you're getting old is when your granddaughter, who my granddaughter, who's going to be six years old tomorrow, says to me, Pop, you are the oldest person I know, and I think you're the oldest person in our church. So to everybody in this church that's older than me, you're welcome. That's a compliment for you, okay? But it's funny, and, and one of the things that happens... As, as you know, you start to get some years behind you, you start to notice something that's also an indicator that you're getting old, and that's how much things change, right? Uh, one way that you sound a little bit older in your conversation to your kids is when you start talking about prices, 
Uh, somebody put out on Facebook this week the price of cars, like back in 1974, and you could buy a new Mustang for like $2,000, right? It's a little bit different today because now cars cost the same as the houses you bought or even more than when you first got married, right? I remember Kim and I, my first house that we bought, we, we were... We, it was kind of funny. We bought our house. We were 18 years old. I had been saving since I was 13. I didn't know I was going to buy a house when I got married, but I did. And we had been save, I'd been saving money for a long time when I was little, bought a house when we were 18 years old, went into our mortgage broker to sign our papers that day with some OP shorts. Now, OP shorts were called Ocean Pacific shorts, and they're sugar shorts. That's not something you should wear when you go to do a closing on a house, okay? I had a t-shirt on because I was going right to work, and the guy said, Hey, do you know when your parents are going to get here? Because we got to get this thing done. I said, no, I'm the one signing the papers there today. And he didn't believe it. But my first mortgage was $27,000. And I wish to God that was my mortgage today, right? I mean, it's just so much has changed through the years. And, and, and you're going to notice that. Some of you guys, I was talking to one of my daughters yesterday about how much you're going to notice things change as you watch your kids grow up. It's just incredible from clothing styles to music stuff, to TV, to the information that they get, to these cell phones that control our lives. How many of you would rather you leave your wallet at home during the day instead of your cell phone? That's me. Because you can pay for stuff with your cell phone. I learned how to do that this year, and I thought I was something special, right? But there are so many things, and it's really hard to keep up with everything. But the interesting thing is, and this is what we're going to be talking about all month long, I want you to look at this verse with me in Colossians chapter 2. Rooted, which is the name of our series, of course, and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm going to read the second verse to you too, 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everybody who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear. Let me ask you a question today. Do you know what you believe this morning? And do you know why you believe it? Right, you could say, well, I, you know, I, you're in church today, so I would say probably a majority of everybody in here would say they believe in Jesus, amen? Uh, you'd say a little louder now. Well, a little bit louder now, right? You believe in Jesus, say amen, say it again. And you believe that church is important just by your own attendance this morning, and I applaud you for that today. And there are some things that you would say that you believe, but if I were to come up to you and do what a six-year-old does when you try to explain to them life things, right? Hey, uh, Logan, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Why? Because of this. Why? Because of this. Why? Because I said so. That's enough, right? And we kind of do that thing. But are, can you give an answer of the hope that lies within you with meekness and fear or with meekness and humility? Uh, there's, there, there are some things that people say that are interesting responses to the question of why do you believe what you believe? There are people that will say, well, I was raised that way. And there, there are young people in this room today that were raised up to go to church and it's really just become part of their life, mostly because they've just kind of merged into it. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to do, right? Just like some of our own daily habits. Uh, there are people that say, I go to church because my parents were Christians. That's the way that they raised me, right? Uh, or I've heard this response before too. How, why do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Why do you believe, you know... Um, uh, in a personal relationship with Christ. And I think this in answer is interesting, and I'm not dogging anybody if you've ever said this before, but I want you to think about this. Well, I've always been a Christian. Well, no, you haven't. You didn't become a Christian until you 
bowed your head and submitted yourself to the Lord, believing that he died on the cross, asked for forgiveness of sins, and invited him to be your personal savior. That's how we become a Christian. You don't become a Christian because your parents took you to church and dedicated you. And I, I applaud parents that dedicate their kids or baptize their kids. I think that's wonderful. It speaks into a foundation that you want to pour into your kids at a very, very little age. But there comes a point in their life where you have to make that decision for yourself. And, and, and sometimes we think that we just merge into that when the fact of the matter is we're all personally accountable to, to having a relationship with God. Some people say they're a Christian because they go to church. Some people say because they were baptized or confirmed as a baby, as I, as I was talking about earlier. But we're going to talk about these, we're going to talk about different foundational truths as believers. But here's how we're going to do that. We're going to identify some false teaching that happens in our world today. Some false teaching, some controversial teaching, some difficult things. I'm going to say some difficult things over the next month. And listen, there's nothing I ever want to do when I'm standing up here before you. I promise you with, with the Lord Jesus in my heart. I never, ever want to offend anybody, ever. I'm the guy that if everybody in the room's happy with me, but one person's mad, I'm going to go home going, I can't believe that they're mad at me, right? That's a little bit of my insecurity. I would never want to offend anybody in this room for any reason. But I can tell you this. What I'm going to stand on this, this month as we talk about these things we're going to talk about is not going to be personal opinion. Like, I'll share with you funny stories about personal opinion when we talk about sports or when we talk about family stuff or when we talk about personal things that have happened to us. But if I tell you something out of God's Word, it's a thus saith the Lord, and it's not me attacking anything that you may take as a value for yourself. It's the fact that the premise of everything that we teach in this church is the Word of God, which is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But here's, here's where that gets a little dicey in, in, in our world today, that's not a popular belief system. It's not popular to believe in any absolute truth. There's a teaching, you, you've probably heard this phrase before, I don't know if you've ever studied or really understand the implications of it, but there's a seemingly innocent phrase, an innocent teaching of philosophy called postmodernism. And I'm going to simplify this, so those of you that are smarter than me, you're going to know that there, you, you, this can get a little bit deeper, but here's the premise of it. That all truth that exists lies within every individual, right? And there's a phrase that's used that you've heard before, either in personal conversations with others, or on media, or on television, or on the radio, or whatever. You've heard it used before where people have said, well, this is my truth, right? This is my truth because I believe it. Now, postmodernism teaches that there is no absolute truth. And truth lies within the individual. And on the surface, this may not seem a big thing. Well, you know, I could see why people would say that it's their truth because we all have different backgrounds, different, different, different way that we do things, different uh, tastes, different likes, different dislikes. You know, uh, we, we have different ways that our parents have raised us. So we are, and this is modern day psychology too, we're all products of our own upbringing. And what happens with that is, there's no accountability of a place where we go back to truth and say, well, wait a second, am I basing what I'm doing on how I feel? Or am I basing my life and the choices I'm making on my life on absolute truth? So today we're going to talk about why we believe as a church that the Bible is the Word of God. Now, it's interesting, and, and this is, this is, it's, it's super relevant conversation because 
even this week, as I'm studying, and yeah, sometimes you say things in front of other people and weird things pop up on your cell phone and you're like, somebody's listening to me. I'm convinced that there is an agency in Washington, D.C. that knows everything that's happening in my life because somebody's sent to spy on my phone and to send out advertisements that equal the conversations that I have. I don't know how it works, but it works, right? And I was talking about I was talking about some of these things with my wife and talking about this idea where people say, well, it's my truth, it's my truth, it's my truth, not the truth, right? And as we're having these conversations, I'm getting all kind of weird stuff flying in from different philosophers and uh, different commercials. And I'm, I'm like, man, I need to shut down my phone when I'm talking to my wife sometimes, you know, or put it on mute. Because it's just crazy the way that it, tra uh, the algorithms and all that stuff, I'm just creeped out by it. I don't want people knowing what I'm doing all the time. You, you, I don't know how, if you feel that way or not. But it's interesting how when you start to talk about things about the truth of the Word of God, the absolute, unchanging, immutable truth about the Bible... Now, you make that statement, right? Well, if I were to say to you in church, then I'm not going to ask you to respond to this. Do you believe that the Bible is the Word of God? We would agree with that. Of course, we're in church today, right? We're here to, to, to listen to the truth. We want the truth to change us. We want to be better. And the Bible says in the book of John, the one interesting thing about the truth, the truth sets you free. Because there's, there is a place where truth only and always exists, and the only place it is, and it's the Word of God. But here's the problem with that with what we're being taught in our culture today. If we're being taught that truth lies within individuals, not absolute truth, if we're being taught today that whatever you believe and whatever you want to do with your life is okay, and we don't agree with that, here's what happens in our society today. Society or culture or the world system, if you will, teaches believers in the Bible that they are uh, hate mongers. And that they are, um, uh, that, that, that there's this, ca that this chasm that, that, that it is between us where if we're not accepting of other people's quote-unquote truths, then, then we're filled with hatred. And now listen, that's not only not true, but it's also a statement that should guard our hearts a little bit. We spent a whole summer talking about in the book of 1 John, and one of the dominant messages in the book of 1 John is people ought to recognize that we're followers of Jesus Christ because of the love that is inside of us. Not because we're holding up picket signs that say, I'm against what you believe. Okay? Now, the, Jesus said that we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. And then you hear this other teaching in the Bible that says we're supposed to come out and be separate from among them. So there's a lot of things in there where you really got to navigate through. What is God trying to teach me through this? Here's what God wants you to understand about his word. He loves you. He loves everybody that ever existed. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that we can have a forever relationship with him. He rose up again from the grave defeating sin, Satan, and death so that we can have confidence that he is the son of God. That's the truth. We read in 1 John. Now here's where the world disagrees with us. We read in 1 John last week that if you don't believe those things, what you're saying is it's not just that you don't believe it. Well, I don't believe that, but I respect what you believe. I don't believe that. But no, no, no. Here's what you're saying. I don't believe that. Therefore, God is a liar. We read that verse out of 1 John last week, as a matter of fact. That if you don't believe what God said, that you're saying that he's a liar. You say, Pastor, you're coming across a little strong today. You know, I'm, I, I want you to understand some things of why it's important for us to go back to this place right here for our belief system in God, 
for the way that we're supposed to treat and love one another, for what our mission in life is. Our mission in life is not to degree. Listen, church, you know, when it comes politicking time, woo-wee, we get all upset and mad at everybody, don't we? And we get those Facebook social media muscles, right? Well, I hate this candidate, and I hate this candidate, and I would never. Listen, our job, listen, my job as a born-again believer is not to take a stand for any candidate that's running for anything. Ooh, man, that was quiet. You know, my job is, is to love people no matter who they vote for, right? And, and whoever you want to vote for, that's up. Now, we should vote our biblical standards. We should. Our belief system, one of the worst things I've ever heard a candidate say a couple years ago, I'm not even going to identify who it was, but he said in the uh, national convention when he was being interviewed, he said, I will never allow my personal religious beliefs to affect decisions I make as whatever office he was running for. And people were like, mm, separation of church. Whoa, 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 wait a second. You, if you believe this, it ought to impact the way that you live. If you believe this, it ought to impact the way that you treat other people. So my job isn't to get in your face. You don't believe that. Ah! My job is, can we talk about something that's awesome instead? Right? Because it's okay to disagree with people. I live with a woman, and we talked about this in our marriage uh, uh, class that we've had over the past five or six weeks. Uh, I live with a woman for 37 years. We've been married. I, let me say that better. I've been married for 37 years, and I also live with her, but um, we've been married for 37 years. And I can tell you something. We don't agree on everything. Can I get a married person that says amen to that? We just don't. We have different food tastes. Uh, I am an avid, avid sports guy. Like, I am like this because pro sports and college football starts really, really soon. And she just looked at me and she was like, oh, two more weeks and we don't go out with anybody after church on Sunday, right? I said, that's not true because the Eagles play night games too, honey. It's okay. It's okay, right? We don't agree with that. And you know what's kind of funny about that? This is a funny story. You can ask Kim about this. Early, early, early on in our dating relationship, you know, just like everybody that dates, we were kids, and we were going out for a little while. Well, we broke up a little bit. And then we started going back out again because we found the love of our life at 17 years old. And I remember this distinctly because this was like a dagger in my heart. I, I was trying to impress her one day. So I bought tickets to the Philadelphia Eagles-Washington Redskins game. Now, that's a game you could cheer for the Eagles for if you're a Cowboys guy, okay? Took her to the game. Great seats. I tried to impress her with where we parked for free. Bought her a Coke and a bag of popcorn, stuff that she likes. We sat down, and she says, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I said, yeah, what's up? I just don't want to go out with you anymore. And I looked at her, and I went, here? You could have waited till I didn't spend about 60, 70. Now, now the, the tickets are way more. I think I spent 60 or 70 bucks that day to take her to the game. Why didn't you break up with me before? You ruined this whole game experience for me. And she said, that's what you're upset about? I said, Yes, let's go. And I took her home. I was so mad. Skipped that game there that day. This is going to bother me all day, so I'm going to pick this up real quick. I'm sorry. So, and it's kind of funny. We, there's just some things we don't agree on, but I can still love her. And I can still treat her nice. And I can still respect in a conversation. And that's how we're supposed to be with one another. We could disagree vehemently about stuff that's all up in our face every single day, where we're told to take a stand about stuff, where the Lord tells us, listen, God, people in this world are going to know you by the love that's inside of you, 
Not by what you agree and disagree with. And that's not what those, those aren't conversations we need to have with folks. So let me give you five reasons to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Here's reason number one. To believe the Bible is the Word of God must mean that we first believe in God Himself. We got to believe that He always existed. We believe that God created the heavens. And, and here's some things here. Uh, we believe in the causation of the universe. The Bible tells us in the book of Colossians, and He is before all things, speaking of Jesus, and by Him all things consist. Our universe, now we hear things about global warming, we hear things about this happening, and someday there's going to be a big asteroid that's going to smash the earth to pieces, and all these different things that we're told to believe uh, today, which, are, which I think are kind of hooey, but um, here's the truth about it. If God wants this universe to continue to be in existence, it's going to be. It, God knows exactly when he's going to say to his son, hey, it's time to go get him. He's going to say, Jesus, it's time to go get the church. And Jesus, there's going to be a big trumpet. The trump of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. That means people are going to come out of the grave. You say, how do you believe that? Because I believe the Bible. That's what the Bible teaches us. You say, well, that sounds kind of crazy. Well, hang in there with me for a second. The causation of the universe cannot exist without a supreme being. Number two, the creation of the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I have a very, very, I, rem, I got in trouble in fourth grade. My mom brought us up in church, and I was in a public school in fourth grade, and my teacher started to teach it about, and it was the year that it came out that we had that, that public school teachers, and I'm not a hater, my grandkids go to public school, some of my kids did too, uh, that, that, that creationism had to be taught as a theory equal to the theory of evolution. Now creationism's gone, I'm pretty much sure, from most curriculums, and it's just the theory, or now the truth of evolution. And I raised my hand up in the air, and I said, that doesn't sound right to me, because, and I was, and I was a punky kid, right? I, always, I was always looking for you know, a reason to be a, a, a disruptor or whatever like that, and I raised my hand up in the air. Well, I don't believe that, Mr. Rudnick, because the Bible says, da 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 He looked at me, and he says, well, you're wrong. And I was so proud of myself, I, was like, my mom, I came home and told my mom, hey, I took a stand for the Lord today, and, and I was just being a punk, I promise you I was. And my mom said, that's it! We're done. And like the next day, we went to like this Taliban Christian school. We were enrolled like the next day. Where I would get paddled like every day for the next seven years of my life, right? It was unbelievable. I should have kept my mouth shut. But when the Bible says that God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke everything into existence. On the sixth day, the Bible says that God reached down into the dust of the ground and formed man with his own hands out of the dust of the ground, Breathed into man's nostrils, just like mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. The breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's how we are here. We didn't evolve. Now, stuff happens. Life evolves, right? Life evolves all around us. But not with this theory of, theory of, of how people say that, that things happen. Listen, I'm not hating on anybody who believes that. I love you. And if we, you want to disagree with that, that's okay. Let's just do it over coffee or lunch or something. But here's why we believe that. Because that's what the Bible teaches. Because if we teach anything separate from the Word of God, then we're not accomplishing the mission of the church that God laid out for us in His Scriptures. Number three, here's a great proof that the Bible is real. The conscience that lives with inside of us all. You have a compass inside of you of your conscience where you know, and you... And this, is what, this is another thing of getting old, okay? We'll go back to that signs of getting old. When you talk to... When you're talking to your kids or your teenagers, well, you say to them, listen, 
You're going to know if you're doing the wrong. No, I'm not going to know if I'm, because we want to do everything we're not supposed to do. As a matter of fact, if somebody tells us it's not the right thing to do, we're kind of like, oh, I mean, I want to try, try that, right? And it's not like the stuff when we were kids that we were told not to do. We're like, like when, like when your parents would say to you, hey, listen, it's probably not a good idea to jump in the middle of a campfire. Huh. I could get hurt, right? So we would agree with that. But when your parents would say this, listen, it's not a good idea for you to have sex before you get married because there's just so much more than just a physical act. It's in the word of God that we're supposed to wait. And the Bible belongs to you. Your body belongs to God according to the Bible. We go through all this teaching about that. And, but here's the bottom line. It's not like we're saying to our kids, listen, you shouldn't have sex before you get married because it's just super gross and it's not fun and the opposite sex, EU, right? That's not the truth. Because sex is one of the greatest things that God created. Somebody in my married class say amen. That was terrible. It's supposed to be awesome because God created for us. But here's the thing, church. When the Bible teaches, there's a conscience inside of you where you know, where something's inside of you, especially if you're a believer. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and guides you in truth and helps you understand things that are wrong by convicting you. Say, hey, you shouldn't do that convicts you of, ah, that's not the right thing to do. And when you do it, you got, you got to make that thing right. Not so we feel bad when we come to church. Oh, church is a big guilt fest. That's not what church is about. Church is about learning the truth so the truth could set you free. I want to know what I'm doing wrong so I can make it right with God so God can bless my life. That's a conscience that lives inside of us. And here's the other reason. To believe the Bible's the word of God means we must first believe in God because of the Christ of the word of God is God. John said it in John chapter 1. He said it again in 1 John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The plurality of God is spoken of in Genesis chapter 1. Well, what if I don't believe Genesis? The Bible talks about the plurality of God when God said, let us make man in our own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Here's number two. We believe the Bible is the Word of God because it is divinely consistent. For years and years and years and years, modern psychology, modern philosophy, people that are really, really smart with a lot of letters after their name, like to write articles and make statements about how the Bible has contradicted itself. And over and over and over and over again, those statements are made to be false. You, you, you can't, you know, you could read a verse out of the Bible and there's some verses out of the Bible that are kind of funny. There really are. Like if you read the whole Bible from cover to cover, uh, you, you read some stuff in, in, in the book of Leviticus, you're like, man, that wouldn't work today, right? Where it says, hey, if a, if, if a guy has a physical relationship with somebody who he's not married to, then they need to be both taken out of the city and stoned. Well, there'd be nobody alive today if that were still true today, right? Um, there's statements like, if a man sleeps with his neighbor's slave, right, and what he has to do is pay his neighbor for the monetary value of that slave, and you shake your, you scratch your head and go, what is going on in the Bible here? You read a phrase in the book of Leviticus, if you have to take care of your personal business, you go outside of the city, you dig a hole, you do your business, you fire, put some fire in that hole and you cover it back up again. We learn how we're supposed to go to the bathroom in the book of Leviticus. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to tell us this morning? Culture has changed the way that we, have do we were doing some things. 
right? The New Testament went from the age of law, 660 plus laws in the Old Testament, to where Jesus came and he said, listen, I am the law fulfilled. You believe in me, you'll have a relationship with God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Titus chapter 3 said, not by works of righteousness which we have done. All the good stuff that you say that you do, all the bad stuff that you try to avoid, doesn't mean anything because it's only according to God's mercy that he saves us. So we know that back years and years and years ago, when you read the book of Genesis, that people were living to 900 years old. 900 years old. When would you have your midlife crisis? Some of these brothers were having babies when they were 700 years old. Like when, 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 when we were kind of getting to that age where that was not going to be a part of our life anymore. You know, and there's sometimes a little, oh, we're not going to have any kids anymore. We had four girls. And our last girl, the doctor told Kim, I just need to tell you guys something. You do whatever you want to do, but do you need to know something? If you're trying for a boy, it ain't going to happen. So Kim went home, had a conversation with me. Two weeks later, I went to a doctor, and we solved that problem. That's not going to happen anymore, right? And we did the chicken dance around the house. Yay, we're done having kids. It was awesome, right? It's okay. It's okay. The Christ of the Word of God is God, Jesus. Here's number two. We believe the Bible is the Word of God because it's divinely consistent. Number three. We believe the Bible is the Word of God because of its historical integrity. Because of its historical integrity. Something happened in the 40s. You may have heard this before or read an article about this. But there was a boy playing in the rocks or somewhere in the Mideast somewhere. And he went into this cave and he came out with all these scrolls right near the Dead Sea. And they were called the Dead Sea Scrolls. You know what happened when they opened up all these scrolls? They turned out to be books of the Old Testament. You know what these Dead Sea Scrolls contained? Passages from the Word of God. And you know what happened? When they dated these Dead Sea Scrolls and when, they, when, when, when people that are really, really smart read these Dead Sea Scrolls, wow, a lot of what the Bible says is true. Of course it was because it is the Word of God. Because of its historical integrity. Here's number four. We believe the Bible is the Word of God because it has accurately recorded the past. There have been time and time and time again where we read things in the Bible and the only place they heard about it in the Bible, then they found in a cave, writings on the wall, especially in Egypt with all the hieroglyphics and stuff like that, where they found that everything that took place with Moses, the children of Israel, the plagues, the, the exodus, all those things are written down historically, separate from the Word of God by man's account, which totally paralleled to what the Bible was teaching. It accurately, predicts the, it actor, it accurately recorded the past, accurately predict, predicted the present, and it also gives us confidence as it predicts the future. If I were to say to you this morning, hey, we believe that Jesus is coming again. There's a lot that goes into that statement. If you read through the book of Revelations, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Here's what a prophecy is. God giving us a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future. And a bunch of stuff, when you read, we read through the book of Revelations, needs to take place in our world for Jesus to be ready to come back, as the Bible tells us. He's going to come uh, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to know when it's happening. Only God knows when that's going to happen. But, it, but in order for all those things to take place, different things in history had to line up. And you go back into the 1940s when Israel became their own nation. People are like, oh, Jesus is coming again back in 1946 when that happened. When the, when the seven-year or seven-day war or whatever happened in the Middle East, Jesus is coming again. When all this stuff with Russia is happening right now, starting to kind of go into Ukraine and possibly pushing forward, Jesus is coming back. All of these things that happen in our world today 
are lined up with the book of Revelations. And here's the thing, church. Not one more prophecy needs to be filled in the book of Revelations for Jesus to come again. Because the Bible is accurate and we can be sure of its truth. Here's number five. And I think this is the truth that all of us that have a relationship with Jesus Christ can gravitate towards the most. Is we believe the Bible is the word of God because of our own personal salvation experience. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 it says, So shall my word so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return from me void. It shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable. We need it for what? For doctrine, so that we understand what the truth is. For reproof, because sometimes we're not positive about things, and we need to understand the truth of the Word of God. For correction. Listen, the Bible correct. You, you could hear a message sometime where we talk about, like in the book of First John, where we're supposed to love one another, or we're not supposed to hate people, or we're supposed to treat people kindly, right? Sometimes the Bible corrects us. We go, you know what, I need to change that about my life. If we're listening and we submit ourselves to it. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12 says this about the testimony of the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of our heart. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, that if you have a relationship with Christ... Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Your sins have been forgiven. You have an eternity that's secured in heaven. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means you have a relationship with God where you go and you pray and you ask for forgiveness of sins and you ask God to give you strength when you need strength and you ask God to meet the needs of people in your life that have needs. You ask God to heal people that need to be healing. You ask that in Jesus' name. You ask for these things because what? You believe and you've seen God work in your life. Have you ever personally experienced God answering prayer in your life and it's just one of those moments in your life? And it might not even have to be like a major thing like you're praying over a family that, where somebody has cancer and you're asking for that person to be healed. And that change is just like, wow, you know? It might mean things where, give us this day our daily bread. Right? It might mean little things like, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful in my giving, but things aren't making a whole lot of sense in my finances right now. And just some things working out that just don't even make sense. It might mean in your own walk with the Lord, where you pray for protection, where you pray for wisdom, where you pray for God to give you patience in a relationship that you need to have, where you're praying for another person that you've been witnessing to and inviting to church, and it might not seem like they ever come, and then one Saturday they call you up and say, hey, I'll go out to lunch with you tomorrow right after church and sit next to you, and you're like, what? Man, I must be really good inviter. No, that's God that's doing that stuff. And when we realize that it's God, here's what it does. It confirms and assures us of our faith. That's why we know God's word is true. Because of what he does in our own lives personally. But here's the big truth today. Big truth today. It is counterculture to believe that the Bible is absolute truth. That goes against what the world teaches. And don't forget, church, the Bible identifies... Very specific enemies that we have in the New Testament. We read this in 1 John. 
Satan is our enemy. Everybody understands that. Of course, Satan's our enemy, right? But the Bible also says the world, now that doesn't mean every person in the world is our enemy. Here's what it means. Is that the world system or the world's value system is at enmity with God. Satan doesn't want us to believe that this is truth. And here's the thing. Satan doesn't do this thing where it's like, God didn't create the heavens and the earth. He doesn't really love you. What is really important is, is that you understand that you're going to die and spend forever with me in hell, burning and burning and burning. Now, he doesn't want you to believe that because Satan is the father of lies. Here's what he does. He makes everything look really, really good to us. That's, you're not going to get in trouble. God didn't say that you were going to die if you ate from the fruit of that tree. God's worried that you, if you eat from the fruit of that, you're going to be equal with him. And he tricks us and he deceives us and he tricks us and he deceives us so that we'll mess up. And then he goes to, after we mess up, he, he pulls you in, makes you feel like he loves you. He pulls you in, wants you to feel real close to him. He pulls you in, wants you to have confidence in whatever that thing is. And the moment that you succumb to his temptation, he's the one going to God saying, I told you they weren't one of your followers. They are liars and they are just like me. And Jesus says, I'm going to MC hammer you. Can't touch this. Right? Because Satan can't indwell you as a believer because you belong to God. He can oppress you. You may feel it sometimes. Do you, you, you ever go somewhere and just feel evil? Like, woo, Mary. And, and I'm not talking about Thanksgiving or anything like that, all right? Do you ever just go somewhere and be like, man, there's just a, there's a darkness that's here, right? And, and your spirit is, is, is telling you that just something is, that something's not right here. I've had experience. When I was a young pastor, my first church I ever pastored, I had somebody call me up and say, hey, could you go get Pastor Leon? He was a guy in our church. It was on my staff. Would you guys mind coming over this house next door? Uh, the lady has a son who, is, um, who has a demon living inside of him. He's demon-possessed. So my first reaction was, <laughs> he's probably just really bad, needs to get a butt whooping, right? We're going to go talk to this kid. It's going to be all good, right? So we get to this house, and I seen stuff that day that I still think about today, and it gives me the heebie-jeebies, right? And we prayed in Jesus' name and asked God to take that, to take that spirit out of that boy. And, and there was some peace that came after that, but I'm going to tell you something. When you start messing with that stuff, you know what Satan does? Reminding you of why you have no right to do that, right? You're a sinner. You've done this. You've done this. You've done this. How dare you speak in Jesus' name to me? That kind of a thing. And man, it is creepy, 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 creepy. And I wasn't ready for it. And I tell you what, I was a real good prayer for about two months after that. Uh, Dear Lord, help me to discern, help me to see. I just wasn't ready for anything like that. But it was real because that stuff exists in our world today. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we can be assured that this is true because of who he is in our lives. It, dis it disapproves the challenge to communicate that the word of God is truth is really significant because we have to communicate that with love. Not, you're wrong. Your religion sucks. You're stupid, right? That's not what we're supposed to communicate. Hey, I'm glad there's a value system inside of you. There's something. Find some common ground. Be kind. Listen, to witness to somebody doesn't mean you have to take the Bible and thump them over the head 25 times with the Romans road. You have to earn the right to share with them the Romans road. You've got to earn the trust from that person. And leading somebody to Jesus 
And this happens, it's happened to me before, where in a first-time conversation where you've witnessed to somebody, share with them the message of Christ, and they've gotten saved, low-hanging fruit. And listen, you can't take any credit from that because the Holy Spirit had already been working in that person's heart, and God just gave you the privilege to be a part of that that day. Those things do happen, but you know how most people wind up getting saved? And you could speak this in the testimony of your own life too, because of people praying for you, because of people inviting you, because of people being kind to you, because of you seeing something in that person that validates what they say they believe. Let me give you a couple more things. The big truth of today is it, it disproves other religions, and that's hard. Well, we can't talk about religions in we can't talk about religion and politics. I saw that on a big sign in the barbershop the other day. We don't talk about religion and politics here. That sign was a half truth because they didn't talk about religion because that was offensive. But boy, oh boy, were they talking about politics that day. The big truth today, if you believe that the Word of God is the Word of God and it's God's Word and it's absolute truth, it absolutely disproves modern philosophy. Truth does not lie within individuals. Truth is the Word of God. Remember the enemies I talked about earlier? Satan, we understand, is our enemy. The world system, we get it, is our enemy because it goes against the Word of God. But do you know who your third enemy is? It's you. Because you know what, Mike? Paul talked about this struggle. He said in, in, in uh, his epistles, I don't do the things that I want to do. And I do the things that I don't want to do. Now, that sounds like a guy that's like, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, doesn't it? But here's what he was saying. My body wants me to do these things that go against God's will. So I'm not going to do that. So to keep my body in subjection, I'm doing these things. Here's what I can equate that to. Getting up in the morning and exercising for an hour. I don't, I don't care who you are and how chisel you may be. Nobody enjoys exercising at five o'clock in the morning. I refute that in Jesus' name, okay? You just don't. Oh, yeah, I get to get up and we're going to exercise right now. This is going to be great, right? No, the best part of exercise is when you're done, going, oh, I got done, and the satisfaction you feel. That's called doing something you don't want to do that's good for you. We need to do it, right? But we don't need to do something. God tells us, don't do the things that you want to do. What do you want to do? I want to eat four pizzas, right? I want to eat a big, big, Logan said to me today, she's, she's on this two-week-long binge of reminding me that tomorrow's her birthday. Pops, my birthday tomorrow. She says, and we're going to have the biggest cake, and you get the biggest piece. Now, honey, I'm not going to eat a piece of your birthday cake. Don't you want to celebrate my birthday? I have, okay, how am I going to, honey, the biggest piece of the birthday cake is for you. You know, that's how you do that. I don't, I can't do that, because if I eat that big birthday cake, I'm going to pay for that, right? I've got to do things I don't want to do, and I've got to do things and it sounds like, well, what's going on in your head? Why, why can't you make up your mind what you want to do? Because I don't belong to myself. I belong to God. I've got to glorify God in my words. I've got to glorify God in my thoughts. And we have to glorify God with our bodies. It disproves modern philosophy. Here's the next thing. It disproves modern-day psychological roots. You are who you are because of what's happened to you. Now, listen, you do become a product of your environment, but there's just something that happens in your life where you become personally accountable for the decisions that you make. I know that there are a lot of people in this room heard a story of a family in our church of somebody went through something egregious, incomprehensible. One of our life group in the testimonies this week, beautiful, beautiful story, what God's grace and God's love did. I'm a product in my life of, of, of sexual abuse when I was a kid. That didn't give me an excuse to make bad decisions when I got older. 
I had to come to a point in my life and say, you know what? I can't be who I am because of what somebody else has done. I got to be who I am because of Jesus Christ. I had to learn how to forgive. And you know what I had to do? I had to get counseling, and I believe in counseling. I had to get some accountability in my life, and I believe in accountability. And you know what else I had to realize? That I can't do this by myself. Guess what? That's why we need the church, right? It disproves modern-day psychological roots. Here's the next part. The Bible being absolute truth is not politically correct. Man, all the signs are coming up in the neighborhoods of who we're going to vote for this fall. Oh, yo, 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 yo. That's the greatest thing about streaming television and Netflix. No political commercials. Uh, it's just the best. But you can't even engage with somebody in conversations like that. Uh, let me just ask you a question. Uh, there, there's, there, is, there is a candidate that I do support in this area uh, who's, who's friends of ours. The guy's name's Matt Shaheen, really good guy, godly man. Love this guy. I would talk about him publicly. But I don't talk about voting stuff because that's not my job. My job is to talk about the truth. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't think you're going to persuade anybody in your neighborhood who they should or shouldn't vote for because there's a sign in your yard. You know, if you put a sign in your yard, I'm not hating on you. But I want you to know something. A lot of people that put sign in their yards, they don't put a sign in your yard saying, I'm voting my biblical convictions, therefore I'm voting for this person. Glory be to God. That's not what they're doing. Here's what they're doing. Those people across the street, huh, suckers, this is who I'm voting for. That's, that, that's our motive for that kind of stuff, right? We want people to know where we stand. That's not important. What they need to know is who we love and who we represent. Not a candidate. We represent Jesus. Come, buddy, say amen to that, okay? So your life that you live and the love that you share and the consistency of your life will either prove or disprove this book every single day. If you say this is true and you don't follow this with your life or just try to follow it with your life, doubters and haters are going to see that and it's confirmed what they, already be what they believe that this isn't true. But if you believe this is true and you take these value systems for your life, not live it perfectly, but just do the best that you can with God's grace and God's blessing and God's guidance, you're going to validate what this book says every single day. See, we could go historically and name all these facts. We could go predated and dated and do all these facts. We could do all these different things. But what, what it comes down to, the Bible being real to somebody in your life, is if you are proving the truths of it every single day. God loves us, and he wants to make a difference in our lives, and he wants us to be the instruments he uses to reach other people for him. God's word is true. I hope you'll stay with us with this series this month, Rooted. We're going to hit some good, 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 fun, hot topics this month that I know is going to be an encouragement and a blessing to you. Father, today we ask you to guide us in your word. We thank you that in just a few moments we're going to see some people living out the truth of your word as they're going to get baptized today. And we celebrate that with them. We celebrate their obedience. We celebrate what you did in their life. We're so thankful for family members that are here to celebrate that with them this morning. And we know that you are pleased when we obey you. So we, we honor those that are obeying you today uh, through, through scriptural biblical baptism, Lord. Uh, we pray that everything that we talked about today, Lord, was not done in the flesh, was not done in a way that would ever want to offend anybody, but just so that we would all understand that we need to base our total belief system not on popularity, what the TV says, what a, what a, a political party says, we need to base what we believe out of the Word of God. And then the way that we live our life needs to be lived out because of that. 
but it's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some reflection. It's going to take some confession. And it's going to take some surrendering some areas in our lives to you. So I pray that will be true in everybody's life today. Uh, we love you and we thank you for your word. We ask you this today in Jesus' name. And everybody said it with me this morning.